Squares Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Well, friends, you heard the tires on the gravel. You heard the uh, truck come to a stop. The window rolled down. My friend Rob Giddings up in Michigan asked him, where's Fielder? And his dad coming back with the, he's gone to the dogs. That's the cue for the Gone to the Dogs podcast. And we added the whippoorwills in there for this summertime hunting for you guys that are out there swatting skeeters and sweating buckets. But anyway, we're here once again with a great show for you today. I finally caught up with a friend that I hadn't talked to in a long time until just the other day. And he gave me a call and we uh, we chatted for a good long while and uh, came up with a few ideas that we want to share with you today. I do want to mention my friends out at DU Hunting Supply. Um, they are my sponsor for this show. They provide the production on their network. Just want to thank them if you need anything that has to do with hunting and hunting with hounds, and especially on the electronic side of things. The guys at DU Hunting Supply will treat you right. They back up everything they sell with excellent service. They'll give you the tech support you need, answer your questions. So hats off to Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, and all the crew at DU Supply. Without any further ado, I want to bring to the mic my good friend and longtime friend, but haven't seen him in a while, Mr. Rusty Jones from the great state of Missouri. How you doing, Rusty? I'm doing good, Steve. I'm doing good. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, I like to see you young men doing well. You know, I've been blessed with a long life, and I certainly wish... The same for you guys. Uh, we had a good chat the other day on the phone. I think, man, we racked up about an hour and a half there. It seems I know. like. <laughs> no, it was good. it was good to visit with you. I'd um, been uh, been wanting to catch up with you, and yeah. you know, I I remember you know meeting you a long time, and you always kind of stuck out as a as a genuine uh, person that that loves you know hounds any type of hounds i mean i know you had bear hounds but you just you always felt that about you so um i always enjoyed visiting with you well the old saying what you see is what you get and that's what uh, all those years uh rusty some people may not remember that this or or maybe believe this but i i thought back one or several times over the years uh you know people would look at my position with the registry, you know, and I was blessed to be able to, to um, you know, run the basic people. Uh, you know, I look forward to seeing them, but I sure don't, you know, I'm a little bit, got a little butterflies, you know, here. I don't want to, uh, to say anything uh, that I shouldn't say or do anything that I shouldn't do because I, these people are the people I respect and I want, I want to put forth the best foot that I can, you know, when I'm around them. And I right. honestly always felt that way. And, uh, but you probably, you know, you probably, um, it was probably a tough transition for you, you know, to, in, a, in a way, because you started off as, you know, in West Virginia, right. Chasing them dog, you know, hunting. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And so whenever you get to that position, I could see how you wanted to take it seriously and, and represent the hunters, but also, coming i mean it's a good that's a good person to a point you know somebody that's that's hunted there 
thought today, but sure. uh, uh, you know, when I was hired by UKC, Fred Miller was kind of funny about he he didn't <laughs> want to hire coon hunters. What about that field? Yeah, you got some questions about that field. Yeah, yeah he he didn't want to <laughs> he didn't want to hire coon hunters. Because I think he felt like they're the best, you know, as right. far as the business was concerned. A lot of respect for Fred, a lot of good things to say about Fred. Right. I think yep. he did a great job for our sport. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, uh, he contacted the guy down in Virginia when he was thinking about hiring me. And uh, this guy uh, was W.L. Davis, yeah, Willie Davis, we called him. He was a a black and tan man. I've got the, this post-COVID tick in my voice. Just a minute, Rusty. Mm-hmm. I'm back. Uh, Fred had we can, talked. We can with, edit that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why we have producers. That's exactly right. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, what we, um, he, he spoke to this guy, Willie Davis, down in uh, Virginia. And uh, Willie said, Well, he's from West Virginia. He's a hillbilly, but, <laughs> but he's a sophisticated hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> Fred told me that later, laughing about it. But Fred and I had met at Plot Days in 73 when I came back from the service. And, one thing mm-hmm. led to another field rep, then went there full time and all that. But anyway, but, uh, and, and, you know, th- that's um, what I remember about you, Rusty, at the events. You're a kid, um, and I don't use that term uh, in a derogatory way. You're a young hunter. Uh, I met your, your family, and, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, everybody knew Jess Dickerson. And, right. um, I, you know, your association with Jess and also lest anybody thinks this is just a mutual admiration society here today. I did, uh, right away warm to your personality and your clean cut, sharp, polite young guy that seemed to really love coon hunting and that. That impressed me then, and it continues to impress me. So there you go. That's all I'm going to say about you. Uh, no, keep going. Keep less, going. I, less your head gets I'll, too, too no, big. No, I, I appreciate that, Steve. I really do. Um, I, I really do. Thank well, I, I'm i sure you do, Rusty. And uh, you told me, and I want to briefly touch on this, you've got two children. I do. i got two girls, two girls, Elise and Lydia. Lydia. Yeah is the youngest one she will have a she'll turn one one year old um this month on the 30th and elise will be four um in october and yeah that's awesome. she's at age we went swimming last night over at our neighbor's um neighbor's pool and that was she loves doing that and oh, um, yeah. she's she's at a fun age no oh, yeah. and yeah. my wife maggie takes um, is a good mom to him. Um, a fun mom, a little yeah. more strict than I am, but, uh, <laughs> I might let him slide on a few things, but, uh, no, yeah. we're blessed to have, to have two healthy girls. Um, very blessed and very, and very thankful too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Trust really good. Uh, families first. 
in in Absolutely. everything we do in life, or it should be certainly. All right. Well, I'm going to get on your case a little bit now that I've blown you up. Um, uh oh. I uh, listened, of course, to the Fuel by Joy podcast that you did here. Well, it's been a, what a couple months ago, maybe month and a half, something like that. Yeah. It was hot. I remember when we did it. It's real hot. <laughs> well, Josh Michaelis does a great job with that podcast. Boy, and and I, I enjoyed him when he was with Houndsman XP. That was my old gig. Chris Powell and I started that one back three years ago, seems. I didn't, hard. Yeah, I didn't know you were one of the founding fathers of that. I knew, uh, you know, knew Chris was. but uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, Chris and I got together and started that. We were the only game in town, really, as far as coon hunting or hounds, tree hounds was concerned mm -hmm. back in the early days. I love days. The, his variety. I like the variety that, yeah. that he brings, yeah. you know, to, I, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. But at any rate, on that podcast, you were talking about the youth world championship and, um, you happened to place, I believe second in the final four overall in 1998, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. What dog were you hunting at that time, Rusty? I was hunting a, a female called Babe that was out of Naylor and um, uh, a lipper-bred female. And, and she, she was a good dog. Um, I think we bought her from uh, we bought her from Buck Kimbrell, WC. Oh, that's Kimbrell. a name I haven't heard in a long time. Man, yep. I'm, yeah, that strikes uh, a chord with me for sure. Is Buck still oh, he, living? He was, no, he passed away in uh, 2004, I believe. Okay. 2004, 2005. Yeah, it seems that I recall that now. But, yeah, what a great guy. But that was a good – man, we went up to – he took us up, Dad and I, Minnesota. Took Dad and I up to Minnesota coon hunting and went up there for a week. We treed a couple coons. One of them, 47 pounds. We took some scales with us, 47 pounds, Man. and then a couple that were 42 pounds. And, and the big coon around, if, you know, you get a coon around here that weighs 20, you got something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but no, but yeah, he was, uh, that was a good, a good hunter. Um, well, I certainly remember the Joy Youth Championship and being impressed with it from the get-go. And as I listened to the podcast you did with Josh, I, some of the names of the hunters that you mentioned, I certainly remember too. And there's been mm -hmm. a lot of guys that have kind of come up through that, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh, Scott, Adam, Eng Scott Engel, Billy for Paul. instance. Um, uh, yeah. Um, you, the older Duran Link, Bobby Wood. Oh um, yeah, from Texas. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, the Justin Caldwell, a bunch of them Texas boys. Um, yeah, yeah, I got to know the Caldwells very well. Enjoyed that family a lot. Jimmy and Justin, and and their uh, yeah. mom and dad are just great. Lee and and uh, oh, she's gonna kill me, Debbie, his <laughs> his wife. If I don't remember her name, I'm, I might as well go leave town. But yeah, great, great, great folks, and but. You know, it's kind of a segue, I guess, uh, uh, of sorts to talk about the youth championship there at the tennis center in Aurora, Kentucky. Um, I still and, got the video of it. Oh, you do? I think I heard you on the podcast uh, mention that Alan Rambo had made a video of it. Oh, yeah. He strapped on. 
that camera and like three battery packs. He's like, let's go hunt. And <laughs> did he come trade for dad. you? Did he come trade for you out there in the woods while you were on that cast? Have yeah. you heard him tree? He don't. He don't got to go to the woods to come tree. I mean, <laughs> he, he could do that anywhere. Yeah, um, he sounds no, more he, like a hound passion. than a hound. <laughs> he is, yeah. But I love his passion and yeah, and, oh yes. Uh, and man, he made that and then gave me. He did interviews outside. Eddie, that's the year Eddie Simmons won it with uh, Marge. And uh, yeah, like I say, um, that's my first year. Uh, yeah, that was my first PKC World Championship. Was uh, when Eddie and Mad Marge won. And I knew it was a big deal, you know. At the but, you know, you're young and it and it, it you, you know, you look back on it, and you're like, you'd like to think, you know, did you realize? kind of what you what you were starting here did you realize how hmm. you know it's gonna lead to yeah. um and and i think i did you know in, in a certain way but um you know i know my dad was proud of me and and i you know enjoyed that and i loved hunting um you know competitive i mean i knew what you know the competitive nature of you know you get deeper in them casts and you got to focus and pay attention on your dog and know the time and and know and know the scores you know all those little details um are extremely important so well absolutely they are and uh you know and i think we might dig a little deeper into that here today if we have time because i think that's what a lot of the younger hunters uh that are coming on you know need they need guidance in that area uh they need uh you know it's so simple it's so easy i would say i guess for a kid nowadays uh who spends most of his waking hours in front of a screen of some type right. <laughs> that it, it it's so easy for them to get lost in the garmin uh as oh, i call man. it i just check it if you check it and then put it back in your pouch and mm. listen to those dogs. Mm. You think they're getting a by road? Check it. Nope, they're not. You think they might? Be, I mean, just don't stare at that thing. Just listen to your dogs and you will learn way more. I mean. Well, I'm guys, <laughs> as much as I've fooled around with equipment, used to write product reviews when I was at UKC and all that stuff. I'm not the smartest guy on the block on the Garmin because I don't use the darn thing most of the time. Mm -hmm. I'm just like you, just like you suggested. When we're out there hunting, I'm with my buddies down the White River, whatever. We're out there, you know, I'm not watching that Garmin. I'm listening to my dog. I'm listening to the other dogs. You know, that's where I grew up coon hunting, and that's w what I enjoy, you know. Right. And whenever they do get treed, as I'm walking in there, then I will look and see kind of what, mm -hmm. and kind of play it back a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. see what path. And I'm saying, I'm glancing at it, you know, but as I'm not staring at it. Um, yeah. But I'll glance and see, oh, they ran over here and hit this ditch, and then they came up this other little field edge and then bumped in the timber and rolled around that little point, and then bam, tree. You know, I'm, I kind of want to know what route they took. That mm -hmm. way, whenever I recut them, I can. Yeah playing accordingly you're uh, a thinking I, man rusty uh, always have been and i think that speaks to your success in this game and that's what it takes it takes a thinking guy you know a guy that's looking out ahead it's kind of like a chess player i guess i don't play chess 
I don't mm-hmm. even play checkers that well. I've never been a board game guy. But <laughs> anyway, I guess I'm bored with games, you might say. But, <laughs> but anyway, but when we talk about the uh, the youth championship and all, PKC, and you alluded to this um, with Josh, that uh, PKC has always gone over and above uh, to try to recognize the kids and put on a good event for them. And if anybody thinks that that youth championship is a, is a kiddie uh, hunt, <laughs> just uh, pull up your big boy britches and, and, and go to, uh, to the finals and you'll see, you know, because those kids come there prepared and they come with good dogs and they know the rules. And it's just like a world hunt except for the, um, well, you don't have it, it – the qualifying nights, you do that right. before you get there. But at any rate, it, it's a first-class event. And but I think we had forty-eight dogs. You know, you had to whittle down, so it's it's not quite a pro, you know, pro hunt. I think there was forty-eight or fifty something. I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't um, remember the numbers either. Uh, I've still got the magazines. I remember that. Mm, uh, for sure. Well, you know, one of the things that I I enjoyed a lot, well, when I came aboard with uh, PKC Larry, uh, you know, when he hired me, he wanted to start a bench show program, and we did that. And he wanted to start a beagle program and a squirrel program. And we kind of got those going. They, they were not ever very successful at least in my view, not right. the way I judge success, at least Compared not. Compared to the uh, Yeah, Art. exactly. But uh, anyway, um, you know, he handed me the mic about the first time I was there and said, you know, you you open the hunt, you welcome the, the hunters, you do all the preliminaries, the announcements, and all that kind of stuff. And then when it came time to call the cats, I'd hand the mic to him, and that's kind of how we operated together. So, you know, having a gift of gab, there's no secret about that. I've always <laughs> liked to talk. It, it is a gift. Uh, well, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's maybe a, a curse. It, too, it could, yeah. A gift. Yeah, you might want to talk to Ella about that. She and her kids, they can believe how much I talk sometimes. But anyway, I, you know, I, I liked what they were doing with the kids, you know, they were going to, over to Willow Pond restaurant and having them uh, a banquet or a meal there for them. And someone like Mr. Roy Tramble would speak to the kids or, or somebody, you know, and they would get their coats and their hats and, and that that's all good stuff. And I think, uh, again, to Joy's credit, they were very much involved in that. Uh, but I thought, well, it's got to be a little more. All these parents are coming uh, to be with their kids, you know, they're proud of these kids. Uh, the kids have worked hard all year to be here. And I said, man, we got to do some more. We got the perfect venue here. So we came up with the idea of giving every kid at the banquet over at the restaurant a number. And when you get back to the tennis center, you go get your dog and you line up by those numbers at the back door. And then uh, I got to thinking, man, how, you know, what can really touch this, make this thing uh, go, you know. So we had this carpeted area there in front of the the stage and uh, put uh, George Strait 
on the PA system singing, Dad, this may be the best day of my life. And Shoot, any for, straight song's good. Forget, yeah, he's my favorite <laughs> by far. But I, I'm getting a little misty here on you, Rusty, as I think about this because, man, see those kids call their name, Rusty Jones, you know, and mm-hmm. and quote their earnings and their dog's name and see them walk in on that carpet and walk across in front of the stage, you know, and mom and dad are out there, man. They're smiling ear to ear. The the flashes are are flying, you know. I mean, popping everywhere. And to me, man, I said, yeah, this is how we want to recognize these kids. We want. Now, I don't think they still do that exactly that way. But I was put, privileged to go and speak to the youth championship at um, Salem here a, a few years ago, and. Uh, Man, it was a great deal. They had a terrific meal. and, and That's how you get PKC members. Yeah, really. Lifelong members. Yeah. That's, you know, um, making it a, a not, oh, you know, making it a big deal and, and giving recognition where it, you know, it needs to be. Um, sure. And, and make them feel important. You know, I mean, these older guys, yeah, they've been, you know, through it a bunch and stuff. Um, but, that's what turned the corner for me personally was placing second. And I really, really wanted to win that hunt. And Oh, I imagine. Yeah. It, you know, it, it just, it didn't work out. Justin Jackson won. Um, I was second, Scotty Lofton third or, uh, Duran link third, sorry, Duran and Scotty Lofton fourth. Um, but it was, it was a fun hunt, a good hunt. And that's, that's the one that, um, because before that, man, I had struggled. Uh, in, but I'm hunting against, you know, Rick South and Brian Bachum and Dennis Thornhill, Eldon Cork, Mike Cork. Um, yeah, a lot of good hunters there yeah, to get your Jack. money, to get your qualification, um, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't give it to you. I mean, you had to – and there was no use – when I first started, there was no straight use cast. Right. You you had to compete. Then, like, my second or third – no third or fourth year they you know walker days would have a youth cast and uh but before that shoot you're hunting against you know you're hunting in the open um right well but that but that was a good learning you know i mean it 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 taught me a lot because um because those guys they can take getting beat but they don't really like it um (laughs) yeah that's for sure um, and I don't blame them, but is you know if you beat them fair and square, then then it's then it's over. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that that was a great time, and uh, uh, I told you I was going to take you to task on your uh, podcast. You talked about your joy coat jacket. Well, I thought you and, forgot about that. Yeah. No, 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 no. I can't let this <laughs> one go. And you were talking about that you had two of them, and you gave one of them to your buddy. And he put That's a plot right. sticker on it over the jaw. Yeah. I got two of the jean jacket ones, and I got two of the wick ones. Or I had two. I gave mm. one of them to a buddy of mine, Justin Barger. Um, and he still has this jacket, and he put his NPHA had it so like <laughs> a, 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 like over the top choice. of it, over yeah. top of the logo. And I'm so. like, dude, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, but uh, sometimes I worry about them plot hunters, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you got to take this back to Josh Michaelis because he made some kind of sideways remark about. Well, you know, if you if you want to get a coat, you're gonna have, somebody's gonna have to give it to you or whatever. He did, he and, did. And, and I will remind uh, Mister yeah, Michaelis in 1999, the next year after you were oh, in Buckeye the final Bud. four, Buckeye Bud, a plot one. John Walker, <laughs> Buckeye Bud. That's right. <laughs> Now we got that out of the way. Okay, I, I feel somewhat vindicated. Check that, check that one off the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We were talking, and when I called you about let's get together here and do this uh, do this podcast today, uh, we started talking about a place that's near and dear to our hearts, and that being the uh, tennis center there at Aurora, Kentucky, which happened to be the venue where you uh, were honored there with your scholarships and, and cash and all the things that happened there. But So I got to thinking about that, and um, you mentioned something the other day in our uh, uh, conversation on the phone, you know, about that you could draw a mental map of, of that uh, tennis center that you basically um, – you know, remembered every aspect of it, and and probably I, pardon, probably to scale, pretty close at least, pretty yeah. much to scale. Well, I got to thinking about coon hunting venues, and before we get into that, and you know, there's some really good ones around the country, and of course, maybe more than most guys I've been involved with quite a, with all these in one way or the other that I'm going to mention here, but there, I'm sure there's many more and, and people that are listening to this probably have their favorite one that may not be on the list. But um, one, of course, comes to mind for me is the Orangeburg Fairgrounds in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Man, uh, so, I've never been there. Yeah, well, you got to put that on your list because uh, Orangeburg, you know, I think it was back in 1966, I believe it was the first year. And I happened to be on a bus going through town, going back to college, on uh, Grand American Weekend, didn't get to go to the hunt that year, but I did get to see the just the caravans of pickups and dog boxes and everything that went along with that. So that how many that, dogs did they hunt tonight? Well, they usually hunt three or four hundred dogs a night. Yeah, yeah, Man. yeah. It's it's a big event for sure. Oh yeah, but just oh, yeah. the gate of the spectator traffic there, that people that come through. And most of them are coon hunters, uh, and it's just it's a it's like a big big county fair. And then of course there's the Wayne County Fairgrounds at Richmond, Indiana, where Autumn Oaks oh is held. Yeah. Oh. And I'd never seen. Did I lose you, Rusty? No, I had another call come in. Um, Sorry about that. No, getting back to Autumn Oaks, um, I went out there with Jess um, a couple of years, when, whenever he had Naylor. This would have been 99 and 2000, um, mm -hmm. Naylor's last year. And I had never in my life seen anything um, quite like It was... Um, it was like a rummage sale and a coon hunt. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just so much going on. I was like, wow. 
Yeah. Is, yeah. And we went over to Labor Day Classic and then and then just did to take some dogs up there. We didn't hunt in it because um, we were hunting in um, North Vernon at the Labor PKC Labor Day Classic. And uh, but man, that was an impressive. Um, I mean, just a huge deal, big deal. I'd never seen anything like it. But almost big, as big. You know, I go to World Hunt after that. You know, later on. Um, but man, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that one, you know, has a long history dating back to 1960. Started off in Greencastle, Indiana, and I've told the story of all that progression. Moved around the country some, and. Then and for the 25th anniversary, we did a homecoming back to Indiana, and it was at Jasper up the road there, and uh, or down the road, really. And uh, we had uh, there a couple of years, and then over to Logansport, and then uh, mm-hmm. settled on Richmond. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, that I worked with the Wayne County Coon Hunters there to bring a lot of folks to Richmond, and it's been a great venue for them for sure. Another one is the Exchange Club Fairgrounds in Albany, Georgia. Now, uh, the UKC Winter Classic is no longer there, but was about uh, 88, I believe, was the first year that we were there, actually out at the community center outside of Albany. They the locals pronounce that Albany, but um, Albany, Albany, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. I learned that the first year I went down. Yeah, it would take long. Yeah, yeah. And then of course they uh, UKC moved that to the Civic Center in Batesville, Mississippi, which is a beautiful venue. Huge. Do they pronounce that Civic? <laughs> pronounce it what? Civic, <laughs> No, I think it's I think it's civic. Oh no. I don't I, I, I get you. I get you. Uh but <laughs> so and and I want to mention that a little bit in comparison yeah. to Aurora Absolutely. in a minute here but but then of course for years for 20 years in a row Autumn Oaks was at the uh, Putnam County Fairgrounds in Greencastle, Indiana and it was yep. fun for me to go back there in uh, 2016, uh, I was invited to judge part of the bench show, and then also I got an opportunity to judge a cast and do some interviews and things there when the uh, 2016 UKC World Hunt was there at Creek Castle. But there's a lot of history there in that town and in that fairgrounds for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and then a couple, well, one maybe a little closer to you, the Pontotoc Convention Center Fairgrounds there in Ada, Oklahoma. Do you ever go to Ada? Yes, I've I've been down there. Um, Not not a ton. Um, It's... um, not that I don't mind hunting down there, but I like hunting down there in the fall. Yeah. Uh, or when them pecans are, mm-hmm. are right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or pecans. Uh, Depending on. on your, uh, one of them goes under the bed and the other one is. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, we got a million of them, folks, and you don't want to hear any of them. I guarantee. <laughs> well, that, uh, that Ada hunt, uh, the Pete DeAndrea Memorial. It's a tree and walker sectional. And back in the day, mm-hmm. that was a really, really booming uh, hunt. And I don't know what it's doing now. Uh, oh, they probably of, have three, 
hundred, maybe not that many, but a bunch of dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one that very unique and one that I remember my first impression and then I've thought about it many, many times was the Freestone County Fairgrounds in Fairfield, Texas, where they held the Texas State Championship each year. Now, it's just mm. recently moved back to Fairfield. But when I was in this little motel on the right before you go into the park, and I think it was called Ken Oaks. Yeah, and, it's been uh, on the north side. Yeah, uh, and I and I was uh, rooming with a guy that I've grown to love and appreciate and hunted many nights with him from North Carolina, Pete Holt. I don't know if you ever met Pete or ever I'd drew have... him out? Did you? No, I did not. Okay. No, I, I... He's, he's a terrific guy, and he was very much involved in PKC in North Carolina for a number mm -hmm. of years as uh, probably state president, uh, director, and all of that, but just a prince of a guy. So we had a great time there. I uh, walked in the cabin. He must have had enough groceries for <laughs> a month on sitting on the kitchen table in that cabin. And, you know, I mean, and we weren't even eating there, really. That was just for right. snacks. <laughs> yep. But anyway, that was and my that interview. Much, that's yeah. what, you burn a lot of calories, so you got to, oh, you know. Yeah. Did, little did I know at that point <laughs> just how many and how much oh, sleep man. I'd lose, too. You know. Well, Rusty, I want you to talk about your memories of the tennis center. Now, first of all, I'd like to say that the tennis center was a indoor clay court tennis. Uh, I don't know how many courts was was a room for more than one court, or would that be? Just oh, there's one like court? four, four, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they two, take four or six. There's a bunch. It's probably two hundred and fifty, two hundred feet long, maybe. Yeah, um, and about a. 100 and something wide 150 wide or so yeah. um it was longer than it was what you know right depth was was not was more than the width you know what i'm saying from mm -hmm. from the door that you always walk in man and i walked through that door happy and and i walked through that door um uh, no not so happy disappointed <laughs> you know? um yeah for sure one in peaks and valleys um is it, it was both um well, to, to explain to our listeners just a little bit, they would take a particle board, paint it, it was gray, as I remember, and they would lay a hard floor on top of those clay courts so you didn't see the, the, the dirt. Uh, but right. as all those coon hunters continually walked on that surface over the course of the week, between the dust and the cigarette smoke, Oh yeah, I should probably qualify for black lung benefits. <laughs> <laughs> you get a bunch of nervous coon hunters around there chain smoking, you know. Um, especially if they're an owner sitting in there. Uh, especially my good friend Mr. Meeks <laughs> and yep. Mr. Carnegie. <laughs> yep, those guys smoke like smokestacks, man. I never saw guys smoke like that. I, and I wasn't used to that. That was something I had to kind of get used to, you know. So, right. So I took those frequent walks outside. Tell me what you remember about the tennis center. Um, man, um, you know, walking through that door, 
got a nice little open area, some vendors to the right, some food to the left. Go over there and get you a Gatorade for a dollar if you're thirsty. Go on a little farther, another booth. And the PKC booth was, you know, the stage is center on the far side. So PKC's entry booth and everything is adjacent to that, you know, on the left side, on the west side. And then Basil sitting over there with his, um, I don't know if he just brought a box of stuff and just dumped it out on the countertop and just knew that he would use it. (laughs) But that man's a wizard. Um, He's over there hustling, fixing fixing lights and i was never um man i when i won second in that youth hunt i got got me a bandit 20 volt light yeah the box light that light is available at the time yeah and i still have it um Mm. i still have it it don't i don't use it anymore but it's setting up in my basement um but man i that light there was i was that was a big deal um and then any place anytime i saw him at a hunt you know he'd be over there Oh, let me check. Here's an extra bulb. Um, Cause you always had to have a couple extra bulbs. You'd blow them out, you know, here yeah. and there, especially if you needed that high side on that bulb. Um, but he's an extremely generous person. He did donated so much, you know, to the youth lights in time and energy and everything else. That, that was a, a man that I know he gets some recognition, but it ain't as much as he deserves. Uh, well, of course, Basil has passed on, and yes. uh, yeah. you know was absolutely a uh, a benchmark, I would say, uh, or an icon as far oh, as right the are. yeah, as the PKC uh, World Hunt was concerned, and in, in fact, PKC in general, you know, because he built his Bandit Light. A lot of the PKC hunters uh, carried a bandit, and I think that had to be due to two things. Number one, Basil was just such a darn good guy. And number two, he built a good product. Uh, you were talking there before we uh, we got interrupted about Basil, so you go ahead. No, yeah, Basil, he, uh, he's, he built an extremely good light, meticulous, you know, slaughtered all the connections. There was no... Um, he just, he built a, a really good light. Um, you know, this is obviously before LEDs. So, but, you know, he had a bulb with a high side and a low side. BM32, I would think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You burn that high side, you're going to run that battery down quick. But that's, if you didn't have an external spotlight, you know, on a cord, um, you'd use the high side on that bulb. But flipping them back and forth is is hard on, on light bulbs, on the filament inside of it. So you flip it back and forth, you know, you're... Mm-hmm. Heating it up and cooling off, heating up, cooling off. Um, so he always had bulbs. I mean, he kept hunting, a bunch of hunt, every hunter pretty much, you know, supplied. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, but just, you know, always donated stuff, donated his time. I mean, he, he, if your light was needed some uh, anything, he'd be over there, fix it up for you in no time. I don't know how he did it with his, uh, you know, with his spread there, but. <laughs> I guess at the end of the week, he just held his arm, put a box and held his arm out and just drug everything off. The box. I don't know. It would seem it was organized chaos for but sure. He knows, what, he knows what's in there and he knows oh, yeah. it may take him a minute, but he'll find it. Yeah. Um, you know, those guys are kind of like that. And a little bit later, I'll tell my uh, a little story about the tennis center. But uh, when I first uh, got involved with Mike Kelly with K-Light, 
uh, he was kind of a little bit in in his uh, repair area there. Kind of remind me a little bit of Basil, but mm-hmm. but not quite so random as Basil right. was. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, what else do you remember? Uh, about? Man, um, it's a gentleman that a lot of people will know. Um, their last name Burden. Probably heard of them. <laughs> um, well, Billy if Burton. I hadn't heard of them, all I have to do is crack open a pro hound or go to the PKC website and look in. Yeah, or just or dangle an RC cola. <laughs> just hold an RC cola up out in the air, and and uh, and Bobby will show. But <laughs> Billy Burton was uh, man. I was young, and yeah, I went to a, um. And I don't remember. It was it was a hunt down at the tennis center. Maybe dad. Maybe I went down there with Jess, and I was waiting on him to get in. But anyway, I walked in, and he Billy flags me over. He's like, "Come sit down," and uh, he's like, "Tell me about your hunt." And I don't know this guy. Yeah, I I have no. I don't know him, but he's a, such a genuine, friendly person. Um, now wondering- let's qualify here real quick. Billy is the father of Bobby and Sean. That's right. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And this man don't know me from Adam. And, um, but he always sat around, you know, at the clubhouse waiting on, on boys to come back in, you yeah, know, sure. see how they did. Um, but he, he, and after that, I'd see him at hunts and he'd always flag me down or a couple, he bought me breakfast a couple of times, but just a good, he don't know a strange, I mean, just a good yeah. person. And that's, that's what I love about the, uh, um, I love the camaraderie, you know, with the fellas. Um, and it seemed to be particularly strong there in that area of West Kentucky and West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, back in the early days, people would say, oh, you, you hunt in the professional Kentucky clique. You know, they say for PKC because a lot of the guys in the early days of PKC were from Kentucky and from Tennessee. You know, in fact, Jarvis was from North Mississippi there and lived in Memphis for years and all that. So that whole area right there was, you know, but man, there were some great hunters, great dogs that came out of that part of the world. Oh, yeah, with the whole, you know, Kitty and Ferguson and, and, you know, Billy Bell, Avery Bell, um, on and on. Mike, oh, oh, Mike yeah, Creasy, the- there's another guy from your youth program, Mike Creasy. You know, do you know Mike? Yes. Yeah. You know, he came up through the, the youth ranks, I believe. And uh, McNeil was his dad. And was a coon he hunter. must have been the first one. Yeah, way back there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always had a good dog, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, so anyway, so the camaraderie was the thing that really stuck out to you. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, it's, it's everybody was there, you know, is um, Mac McAllister. So we bred Babe, this female that I won um, second in the in the youth world hunt. We bred her to Mac, Mac's dog, uh Babe Stiles Banjo. Mm-hmm. And so we met, I met Mac there. He was living in Osceola. And after that, 
I think he gave me, it was raining one night down at the tennis center. We're all sitting around waiting uh, for, I think, waiting on Jess probably. Um, and it's pouring down rain. And Max tells me he'll give me all of the money in his left pocket if I go get his truck and pull it up front. <laughs> and he's like, you got you to gotta take it before I, you know, you got to accept before I, before you do it. And I was like, yeah, Max, yeah, I'll, I'll take that deal. And, uh, cause you figure Mac like had a, tons of money in every pocket, right? <laughs> yeah. I was trying to see which wallet, his, which, you know, which pocket he had his wallet in. I was like eyeballing and, and maybe going to negotiate, you know, a little bit. Um, but I was like, if he don't want to walk through that rain, it, it, it's probably something decent. And it was like a hundred and five bucks, I think 104 <laughs> or something, but he didn't want to walk in. I mean, it was porn. porn oh man. yeah. 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 <laughs> but just you know a lot of uh um you know of course jc ellis would be there he uh was a a you know a, fi- a figure there for for years um, he, um that's just without a doubt um but a lot of uh that's where everybody every big name coon hunter was there you know um guys that you you might see him here and there um, but everybody went to the world hunt, but you know, you uh, at the world hunt, you're, you're, I don't, you must be like, <laughs> gone, you know, I don't know. So. Well, it, here's the thing though, for a lot of the hunters back East or, or I would say from Indiana eastward and all, they had no idea that this was going on. You know, the guys that were in, brought, involved in the, the Purina races and, and would attend You're talking all about the, running the UKC. On the UKC side, I'm saying. Right, right. That the UKC hunters basically had no idea that this this uh, phenomenon was going on. They're missing there. out. Yeah. And, and I was one of those. I mean, I you know, I, I was tied up in my job at UKC. So I didn't, you know, I didn't spend all my time trying to figure out what PKC was doing. I had enough to look after myself. Oh, yeah. yeah but, but at any rate, when I got there and I began to look and I see all of this, and, you know, the thing that stuck sticks out to me the most about about uh, Aurora, and, you know, it was would be a 10-day stretch for me because we get in there, we had the super stakes, and then we had the world hunt. And on the last two nights of the world hunt, we had the youth world. It was running right. concurrent with, that's the way it was when you were there, right? That's correct, yes. Right. Yeah. So, but at any rate, the PKC staff was there for 10 days or 10 and 10 nights. Straight. 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 No breaks. Yeah. No. Uh, we didn't have an event uh, or, you know, d- well, during the day on Sunday uh, when Joe Brooks came along from Texas and started the Coon Hunters well, for Christ. Joe, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we started having church services on Sunday morning. And those were special to me, too, because I always remember I, I'd usually sit with Jarvis or maybe Timothy Ball. Uh, How can you go wrong? I mean, yeah, Jarvis always man. called me Brother Steve, you know, and I think he did a lot of other guys that way, too. 
But yeah, it was always, no, Brother you, Steve, how are you today? You know, and loved oh, that guy. Loved him. Absolutely, yes. And, yeah. um, of course, Jarvis and I knew each other for many years. We talked, you know, Jarvis was very active in UKC as well before he started PKC and maybe somewhat a- after he started because. Because he's smart. He's smart. He could, you know, go between registries and see, uh, maybe do something that they're not doing and implement it on his side, you know? Um, oh yeah. Was, he's, he was a wizard. Um, definitely. And, uh, just, uh, turn, change the Kunane world. There's no, no question oh, about it. I mean, we could yes. talk a whole podcast here just about Jarvis and his contributions, but and on he would deserve it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, to, uh, to, uh, be there for 10 days, uh, typically for a PKC staffer would be, depends on which way you want to go with it, get up about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, go there to the uh, restaurant in the lodge at Ken Lake and have a buffet meal mm-hmm. and then go in the tennis center roughly around noon. And you were going to leave that three or four o'clock in the morning, depending on. Now, usually, like the club, the Twin Lakes Coonhunters, there, we mentioned some of the guys, you know, you mentioned on your podcast uh, that you did, Danny Hamby and, you know, a guy. I just, yeah, threw his name out there, but there's a bunch of other ones that I didn't, you know. I I made just a little short list of guys I particularly remember were Danny and. Of course, his son Daniel, who since passed away, and we really do send right. uh, our sympathies to Danny and his family. Uh, Daniel was always there. Grant Black was one of my favorite guys. He and I always uh, had time to talk, you know, after the cats were out. Jimmy Russell, who was one of the few guys that was hunting an off color dog in PKC, he hunted red bones. And, uh, John Evans, who's gone on now, was very active. John had a dog back in the day, and I'm trying to think. What, I know my listeners are going to know this right away, but he had a dog uh, that was real uh, competitive. He did a lot of winning with back in the day. But John and his son, T.A. Evans, uh, T.A. was a rock star. You know, all the girls swooned over T.A., you know, he was <laughs> This good-looking kid, you know, and a great kid, somewhat too. Somewhat myself. Somewhat like yourself, right, Rusty? That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, I, I know. I've hunted with T.A. before. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. And he then a- uh, there's a local guy there named Duggar Martis. I always remember Duggar. He he guide right there around the tennis center somewhere. And, all the, uh, but all those guys that you're that, and I'm not, I don't mean to interrupt no. you, but all, yeah. that's that's why that hunt was so successful. There is because all of those guys had guides set up, yeah, and to make that hunt run smoothly. Because that's hard to to put all those dogs in the wood in in good spots. Now, now if you draw LBL land between the lakes, you're probably going to be you know squirming, um, depending on where you go over there, but. You know, it's so close that sometimes that happens. I'd rather but, draw LBL than Camden, Tennessee. <laughs> right. And Bone, you know, running that May, you know, he's from Mayfield. Um, from and Coomer. Yeah. yeah, I used to yeah. go stay with Jackie Coomer. My parents, for whatever reason, let me go uh, 
stay with him and I'd walk his mail routes with him. And can you imagine Jackie Coomer as a mailman? I mean, <laughs> I um, oh man, but, I, I don't uh, use, I try to keep my language on this podcast, you know, fa fa family friendly. Yep. But I got to tell my one quick little story. <laughs> one night, Back in that day, we were running 400 dogs a night in the world hunt. We'd have, uh, you know, we'd have 100-plus cast dogs every oh, night. That's uh, tough to do. Yeah. So it, it all organized, and, yeah, it's hard. Every once in a while, I'd, I would need to judge because we'd be short a judge or two, you know. And, of course, when Roy walked up to you and put that hand on your shoulder and started, you knew, uh, you knew. started massaging your collarbone there a little bit yeah i don't need a weather vane to tell me which way the wind's blowing <laughs> that's right we're go we're going to the woods <laughs> so uh but anyway i judged one night but this was at the nationals out of flora and i drew jackie in my cast and uh oh there was i i can think of the names uh in fact i'm not sure nah, sluggo might have been on that cast uh oh man but anyway, it was a good cast. We didn't have any oh, problems. Oh, yeah, but you got you know? some. Some good, good handlers, good guys, absolutely. good and, yeah. and jokers at the same time, you know. That's right. So uh, so I come back in and, and, you know, turned in the car. Don't even remember who won the cast. But uh, Roy came over later, and, and I said, <laughs> well, how'd, what did the guys tell you? How would I do, Roy? And he said, Jackie Coomer said, you Judge the hillbilly hell out of them. <laughs> I said, "Well, now, whatever that means." I said, "We, I judged them." <laughs> I take that as a as a high compliment. Yeah, know. yeah. And later on, Bone and Coomer used to always ask me anytime I was down that part of the country, "When are you gonna come down and just hunt with us? Come down, and stay a while, and hunt with us." But never did get to do that. But uh, glad that those guys are still kicking. I don't think they're very active in, in the hunts anymore. Not, not certainly like they were, but oh, no, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I, mean, I, I hunted <laughs> with them a bunch. Um, and when that tornado went through that area, I mean, a lot of folks were oh, I mean, yeah. hit field directly. And, mm. uh, that was the first person. I know there's other coon hunters down there, but I, I still had Ronnie, Ronnie's number. And then I, uh, I texted Jackie and and Ronnie. Tried to call him, didn't get him. Um, just to see if he was all right, you know. Um, sure. Because man, you can't say competition coon hunting without, you know, competition coon hunting legends without mentioning Ronnie Bone. Well, or, that, or that's for that true. But, that's uh, true. We could. I need to get those guys on a podcast for sure. And oh the Stories man, they could tell. You know, yeah. really. Uh, I always, uh, Bone, uh, you know, I, I'll save it because Bone uh, did something for my family one time just by telling me something that was very, very important to my mother. Uh, mm. It was because his dad. Oh, the coal. His, his dad and my dad worked at the same plant coal. there. Coal, coal plant, right? It was actually a plant where they diffuse uranium for the atom bomb. Oh. It was at uh, Cavill, Kentucky, there near Paducah. And mm -hmm. Ronnie told me about, called me, you know, out of the blue and said, you know, you need to check into this. The, the uh, Atomic Energy Commission has announced some benefits for the workers right. 
that were there. And he said, you need to check into this. Uh, of course, my dad uh, was, uh, he, dad was still living at that time, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and Ronnie's dad was one of those, uh, one of those features at the tennis center. He was always sitting right on the inside of the door on the left as you walked in with that group of hunters that sat there. Oh, yeah. And I didn't yep. realize it, but his dad apparently was quite a coon hunter in his day. And, mm -hmm. uh, Really, I mean, uh, if he had to, if he influenced Ronnie that much, you know, Ronnie, yeah. um, man, when he shows up at a hunt, he showed up here one time up at Central at a $30 hunt, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I drew out with him, and I, I mean, I knew him, but he's he's so fun to hunt with. If he gets beat, fine. If he wins, cool. Oh, yeah. You know, he's he he, but he knows every rule. He's an extremely good handler, probably one of the best. Well, you can't, and you can't yeah. argue that. A couple uh, real quick Ronnie Bone stories, and man, you've sparked interest in me here. I'm going to have to get a hold. Malcolm, the other guys out there doing podcasts, stay off of Ronnie Bone. I want him. <laughs> <laughs> he might be hard to get. I don't uh, know. No, yeah, that would be the key. Try to get him to do it would be number, number get, one. Him and Coomer, that's who you need. You got to get the pair, don't you? Yes. But, but real quickly, I, one time, Cecil, Illinois, Walker Days, Guys standing around outside after most of the cast are all in. Just guys standing around out there under the the dust of dawn light, you know, talking and BSing. Mm -hmm. And a truck is pulling out of the of the grounds, heading back toward the gate. Somebody said, "There goes Bone." They said, well, "Where he's going?" Somebody else said, "Well, of course he's going hunting. He's training. He, you know, and." Uh, I think maybe it might have been you that alluded to this the other day, but but you know he he's training that dog for late rounds, you know. That's right. And, and uh, what yes. a dog man! He Ronnie taught me Bunn. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then another um, uh, Ronnie Bone story that really wasn't pleasant at all, but just shows you the character of the guy. Uh, we had the first. Um, Grand Slam at UKC. This is before I came to U, uh, to PKC. And it was a money hunt for Grand Night Champions only. And the first year we had it at Elizabethtown, Kentucky. And the yeah. next year we had it all the way out at Truman Lake. John Mangrum had a, a resort there called Bucksaw Point Marina and Resort. And we held a, I believe we held a zone hunt there one year. And, but we also, uh, I think it could have been that it was a zone, but, uh, Ronnie had made this long drive from, uh, Kentucky over there and did not, uh, make it by the deadline, by the entry deadline. And this was UKC rules. And I think it was about 10 minutes late and had two dogs that were entered in that event. Now, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's tough. And that's, that's where they say yeah. heavy hangs a head that wears the crown. That was tough for me to say to Ronnie, you know, buddy, I'm sorry, but I can't take your entry. He didn't kick the table over, kick chairs around, stomp, fume and fuss. He probably just went hunting. <laughs> he, yeah. Yeah, you know, but that speaks to his character, I think, and uh, and you know, so yeah, there's another feature at Aurora that uh, 
anybody that's ever there has to remember uh, Ronnie and, and Jackie Coomer for sure. And, oh, yeah. and there's so, so many more, you know, that we could just name. Uh, uh, but like you said, uh, after a while, everybody that was anybody in the world of coon hunting had to walk through those doors at the tennis center. Yeah, guys, you ain't seen in, since last year's World Hunt, you know. Um, yeah, everybody's showing up there, and and maybe you draw it with them, BS with them before you go hunting, eat lunch with them, um, whatever, and it just kind of gets back to that, that camaraderie. Um, everybody's there to, you know, that, they want to win, obviously. They, you know, they want to win, but it's is is just a fun um fun fun hunt fun atmosphere um and i've driven through there um after that and stopped went out of my way and drove down there and stopped and uh there ain't no dogs there there ain't no tennis you know no mm. nothing kind of you know catch that feeling again yeah. you know what i'm saying so well i think one of the things that amazed me was you could walk in that tennis center at any time, day or night, and there was a crowd of people in there. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, to describe it a little bit better, they took uh, these picnic tables that had the benches attached to them. Oh, yeah. And they just put them uh, left to right uh, across in row after row after row from the back all the way to the front. And they'd leave like an aisle kind of in between. Everything. In the middle, yeah. yeah. So you could kind of move around. Navigate. So when the hunters would start coming in, they'd ease over and, you know, turn their card in or whatever. And they'd ease over and get a, a cup of coffee or something and, and find a seat. And first thing you know, there's just groups everywhere. And everybody's staying close. I mean, they're they don't have to. Everybody's down there to stay, so it's like, yeah, let's hang out for a little bit. Yeah, you know, that, that was a big factor. Yeah, three miles down the road, so yeah, let's hang out for a bit. Yeah, and me liking to talk and liking to hear what the conversation. I just wander around through those tables, you know. And little JC's Ellis story gets back to my roots a little bit too, and. One night there, it was late. Um, or well, it was about time, I guess, for the cards start to come come back in. Right. And some of the guys back there, there was a fellow, and you and I mentioned him, but I can't think of his last name. And I'm going to think it started with an M, but his name was Steve, and he was local around there, and he played harmonica, and he had a little satchel full of harmonicas. Now this guy could play a harmonica, you know. Get with, busy. Huh? I said he could get busy on a harmonica. He could get yeah. busy. There was a guy named Charlie McCoy that's one of the world-famous harmonica players that's from my area of West Virginia right there in the neighboring county. But, but if he's the, packing around a bag of them, then you know he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, got, he's a, got I mean, if he's just carrying around one in his pocket, they'll be like, I don't know. But if he's got a whole satchel yeah. or, well, or he's got of him, like you know a, he's, he's got some talent, yeah. Right. He's got like a Garmin case, okay, and it's got like oh, foam yeah. rubber or, or felt or something in there. Oh, they're and they're all laying and they're all different links and all this stuff. This guy That's could cool, tear it That's up. Cool. So we got back there in the tennis center back toward the, toward the front door the way 
traffic comes in. And we were back there, and there was a guitar or two around, which I I can take my hand at that. I'm certainly not a, a guitar player, but I, I like to, to play a little. And uh, we were back there, and first thing you know, we're singing these songs. We're doing Rocky Top and Take Me Home Country Roads and all this stuff, and this guy's just <laughs> blowing the reeds or whatever they have in those harmonicas out of it and just having a great time. And JC, as we mentioned him before, and what a great guy, and I really miss him. Uh, J.C. Ellis, he, he, after we were oh, through, I walked up toward the front. Yeah. yeah, I walked up toward the front, and, and, and J.C. was apt to be sitting over there on Basil's table or, or over there around uh, Mike Harper and the Joy table there on the left. And he came, He got that grin on his face and all, and he said, I knew the hillbilly had to come out of you sometime. Yeah, he's probably strict. Stretched back. He's a tall dude. Oh, stretched yeah. back in his chair and, and said that. I can pick Oh, up. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I just wish for every coon hunter across the United States that they could have experienced Aurora, Kentucky at World Hunt Super Stakes Youth Championship time. Walk in that tennis center. Take the tour around. See the lady there at the first uh, as you go in doing the airbrush shirts. Uh, walk on up uh, a ways up toward the far right up there. Mike Kelly had his, had his, uh, K light stuff up there. Of course, you mentioned Basil and Joy on the left and a lot of other vendors in between. And I'm leaving some out, I know, but, uh, um, and you know, uh, we had a little mezzanine area upstairs to the left. That uh, we could go. I would never invite up there. Okay. Well, you you didn't get in trouble. That's why we never had to invite you. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> oh man, I was up there one time, and I don't remember what I was doing. Probably with Coomer. <laughs> no, but I was up there doing something, and Larry asked for me. He he wanted to tell me something, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, he sent Mike. Craney, who worked in the PKC office, up to get me. And Mike, he had this frown on his face, and he said, Larry, I want you downstairs right now. <laughs> well, I said, oh, man, this sounds this sounds important. I hope he, I hope he got breakfast ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, man, Larry later laughed. He said, man, you came tearing down that steps and up to the desk, and he said, I thought you were going to hit me. And I said, well, I'm not used to somebody talking to me. Yeah. And I said, well, number one, they said the boss wanted me. So that's that's important enough. But I wasn't used to being addressed that way. Right. Oh, we had a lot of laughs. Roy Tramble. um, That's another name. His wife, we'll talk about Roy here in a minute. That that is a man that um, you, you won't find. Maybe you find somebody you know, in your life as, as good as him, but I don't see how you can find anybody better. Um, but his wife, Eula Bell, I've got some wind slips that she had the most beautiful handwriting. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Cursive, yeah. you know, just, mm-hmm. she'd fill out those, all those wind slips and they'd be just written perfectly. I miss her. Um, oh, yeah. miss Roy too. Yeah. um, that was a good, a good man. And he kept, like you were saying earlier, he'd go over there and rub on your shoulder a little bit. You knew which, 
you know, and you knew where this is going. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he was but the he best ever. Running. He was right yeah. hand, maybe not, maybe both hands. You know, I mean, he he was he was the guy that communicated with the hunters. Roger Dale was yeah. the guy that did the the numbers and kept yeah. you know kept the numbers straight, knew what the payouts. If you had a problem, go to go to you know go to go to old Roy. Anything related to the hunt, Roy, that yeah. was his that was his wheelhouse and uh and he was gifted at it. He was, he, was. It. he absolutely was and the very best ever, and I've walked worked with a few. Uh very best ever at work in a crowd to get judges. Yep. I mean, people it, just would not it, say it, no it, but, to Roy. No, he's such a genuine person. It's hard yeah. to it's like your grandpa, you know. Yeah. Uh coming up and asking you for something or asking you to do help him you know till the garden and you're like i ah, i might be busy but i can probably do it you know um yeah well that's the thing you know guys would take off a week from work take their vacation and come to the tennis center not to hunt their dog but just to judge for mr roy you know i mean he had an amazing influence in the oh, community uh, one of the most fun times um, that I've had over the years and on the podcast uh, I did with Larry Meeks. And what a great guy to work for, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, we, we talked about he and Roy coming up and hunting with me in Michigan. And that was great, you know, because Roy at that time wasn't getting around really well. And also I had some nice, easy spots, you know, to go and – we just had a great time, and I, yeah, uh, yeah, take them to them country club spots, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I th I think I took you and Jess to a pretty decent spot on a late round up there. Absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hunting that That's wild. another man I, I want to mention. I want to. I mean, I've seen Jess a bunch, but he, uh, what a good, you know, coon hunting friend. Um, went out of his way to be, um. He, good to me whenever he did i mean i he didn't really have to you know um well he, nobody thinks about jess along. without thinking about you rusty and vice versa you know you guys were kind of joined at the hip there for a lot of years you know and and i i loved it i i, I love hunting with him but i love talking to him about anything in life you know i mean he's um he's been like a i mean i love my dad he's been he introduced me to the sport and everything um but just was you know just kind of that somebody different person that that you can't you know kind of connect with and uh but he didn't he uh he didn't have to be as good to me as he as he was and still is um uh but he's he's we you know it gets deeper than coon hunt you know you meet friends hunting and then you know kind of change you know, you, yeah, you just yeah. get get a little bit deeper in, in talking about life stuff. He always asks me about the girls. If he's here, he's reading books to Elise, um, and <laughs> and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. and it's and it's fun and enjoyable. Um, sure, I'm thankful for it. Um, well, hopefully, I, it's to a point where I can um, influence somebody like he influenced me. That that's my goal. There so. you go. Pay it forward. Rusty. That's right. That's that's what we 
we have to do. Well, Jess, I will say, uh, was very fortunate to have a guy like you uh, there because uh, at my age now, you know, I I do have uh, a couple of guys that are helping me tremendously right now with my dogs, you know, in, in trying to start a couple of young dogs that I, I just would couldn't give them a chance. And they're helping me. That's Mark Miller up in North Carolina and uh, uh, Keston. Uh, um, I always want to call, call him Forsey. <laughs> That's not his last name. But Jesse, Keston Jesse, it's an unusual name. Uh-huh. But uh, those guys are really helping me tremendously with a couple of young dogs right now and keeping me in the loop and sending me videos, you know, from their hunts out there, showing me what the dogs are doing and all that stuff. It's it's so important to be able to have a friend like that. And I'm sure that's the way Jess regarded you back in the day. He had more than one dog, good dog to hunt. And oh, you, get you've picked up the slack oh, big time, you know. Yeah, oh, get yeah. full of dogs. Sure. Um, and I still bounce stuff off him all the time. I talk to him every other day, seems like. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. not every day. Mo- some days it's every day, but just maybe it's for a few minutes here and there. Maybe it's for an hour. I don't know. Um, but he, he's he got so much knowledge. You know, him and, and my dad, too. Um, but they, they got so much knowledge and and – and Jess and I, we like the same style of dogs because he pretty much, you know, trained me. Right. Um, but if I'm doing something that that he wouldn't do, he'll just tell you, he's like, well, I don't think I'd do that. And I'm like, shoot, you know. Um, <laughs> but he's just so honest and, and straightforward. And he's like, oh, you're probably, you're probably all right, but I just wouldn't do it like that. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, Jess wouldn't do it like this. But he doesn't it's not like he's saying, I mean, I lean on him for a lot of it, you know, advice, tips, tricks, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. If yeah. I got a dog that's not feeling right, uh, I mean, I call him just, you know, and then take him to the vet. I got you. Get, um, well, I got a question for you. Were, was Naylor already uh, too deep into retirement when you started hunting with Jess, or did you get to hunt with Naylor? No, I never did get to hunt with Naylor. I spent okay. a lot of days in, because Jess did not let him out of his sight. Yeah. Um, like, we'd go to Autumn Oaks or anywhere. I never, I, to be honest with you, I never did get to see him hunt. He just couldn't afford um, yeah. to hunt him. You know, $500 stud fees, breeding three females a week, you know. Um, but I, I went, we traveled a lot together, and Naylor was like, oh, Jess um did not let him out of his sight um there's a hunt in uh, aurora missouri mm-hmm. and that, that was the day that naylor died and i was talking to jess on the phone and uh he pulled into his driveway and he said he he kept naylor in, in a kennel and then he put him out on a on a run during the day so he'd get some exercise this is in august i don't remember the exact date but it's sometime in august and he, uh, I'm talking to him on the phone and he pulls in his drive and he said, Naylor's gone. And I was like, Oh shoot, man. I was like, Just go find your dog. And, uh, I'll holler at you later. Click, hang up. And then his wife about three hours later calls me. Leanne never calls. I mean, I know Leanne, she, 
if I mean she's a good woman, obviously she puts up with Jess, so she's got to be one. Uh, <laughs> but she, you know, I mean, we I'll talk to her whenever I'm staying down at the house, so she never calls, and she called, and I my heart just sunk because I knew I could see, you know, what it, and she told me Naylor had uh, gotten loose, and some guys building uh, some like a some townhouses or something across the street heard him treat and he was treated i think with a house cat um maybe a, i don't know treated with something and this is a hot like like it is right now you know mm. uh mm. 98 degrees um, right. and got too hot and man I, I i went ahead and went down to that hunt i didn't talk to jess we were supposed to ride down there together and but i know he was just sick um whenever that happened it's sure. one of the freak deals um, but I'm thankful that X came right along and kind of brought him right. up out of that low and brought him back to a high. You know, him taking X and winning the world hunt. Same year I got treated in that prison. Um, <laughs> That's that, a reference it, to the podcast, folks, that you need to check out and uh, Fuel by Joy. Uh, it, it's titled Treat in a Prison. <laughs> hey, Rusty, you know what, buddy? We have eaten up our time today. And if I didn't have an appointment that I've got to go to or I'm going to get my head skinned, uh, we're going to have to shut I this thing down. Too. Pardon? I said I might need my head scanned, too. Well, scanned? Yeah, well, most, I most need mine scanned. Do. It's already skinned. I don't have any hair <laughs> yeah, up there. Don't let me hold you up, buddy. No, um, uh, Rusty, but seriously, I've really enjoyed catching up with you today. And, oh, me too. I and I hope it. we painted a picture right. for those that weren't fortunate enough to go there to Aurora and enjoy those great days at the Tennis Center. I've been to Salem, uh, Illinois, since they've moved the world hunt there and it's a good time there's no doubt about it but i just don't think and at least at least in my experience there's ever been a place quite like that tennis center do you it set the bar so high steve it really did yeah. and it's um that's just the way that it is yeah set the bar high and just different you know i mean it's not bad but it's just it's just different yeah well folks that's a wrap for this week's podcast uh, in closing, I'd like to uh, remember the folks in eastern Kentucky and uh, southwest Virginia and parts of uh, uh, southwest Virginia that uh, have been flooded. Um, such devastation and heartbreak for those folks, I'm sure. I pray that you would keep them in your prayers. If there's any way you can help by contributing to the um uh, organizations that are helping those people in this terrible time. I hope that you'll do that. Well, as I said, it's time to wrap it up for one more week. If someone asks you where Steve Fielder, you tell them he's gone to the dogs. <laughs>